Amen. That was a blessing. We can stand now and have the invitation. And uh, can go home and uh, fire our grill and uh, do some barbecue. <laughs> but thank you so much, Pastor Abel. appreciate the, the message of that song. And truly, uh, we are uh, sort of like, uh, not sort of, we feel periodic today. Amen. Not just because uh, it's July the 4th, but if we truly know the history of what this country is uh, built how this country is built, what it stands for, then we will truly have the, the burden to pray for this country. And uh, our young people here, uh, never, never take for granted the blessings of God Amen. of being here in this great country. You know, um, when I was a, a small kid, whenever I hear uh, uh, the country, America, uh, I'm, I'm kind of like excited because I said like, uh, that's, that's the land of uh, milk and honey so to speak, flowing with milk and honey. You know, uh, I heard that in the 80s, um, milk is very cheap, isn't it? It's like, uh, what, less than a dollar? You know, and gas is less than a dollar. So um, you can make um, your milk like your, your, your water because it's so affordable. That's why a lot of Americans grew strong and tall because they have a lot of calcium you know, in their bodies. <clears throat> but we Filipinos, we just had coffee <laughs> or uh, cocoa, you know, for our uh, milk. So when we hear about uh, America during that time, oh, a uh, land uh, that's a lot of plenty, uh, a lot of uh, apples there, grapes, you know, corned beef, you know, <laughs> uh, nice T-shirts like uh, with the sign Esprit, you know, something like that. You remember, we have relatives here. Esprit, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sorry. Pastor, much advance. advanced. Let me go to my story. Uh, okay, I lost it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, um, my aunt came over here in the early 80s, and um, uh, she um, resides in the West Coast, in, near the Pacific Ocean, so it's close to the Philippines, you know, and and. and uh, the plane ticket is much cheaper there because you're closer to the Philippines and you live in California. So um, she was, uh, I still remember trying to, to get my mother to come here. But my mother was just a single person. So she's the one who was um, responsible enough to put her to college, help her in college to get an educational degree. And when she came over here, she wants to petition her. But my mother is the first one who got saved out of her uh, Roman Catholic devoted family. There you go. I mean, uh, she knew that salvation is not by uh, religion or by what man can do, but what God has already done. Amen. So she put her faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And because of that, um, after graduating from college, being a teacher and already teaching, uh, she was persecuted by her own family. And of course, uh, the eldest who put her to school, who supports the rest of her siblings in the Philippines. So she said, uh, I could have... Uh, petition you to come here in the States. But since you enrolled in the Bible college and later on married my dad who's a missionary, uh, you know, that, um, that dream or that, um, what you call, that uh, potential thing to happen in the future uh, did not happen. But, you know, God has uh, mysterious ways, wonderful ways uh, to bring his people uh, to the place that they desire as long as they, you know, uh, become faithful to God. And uh, I always say that uh, we are here 
we are standing before you not because of what we've done but because of the faithfulness of our parents their steadfastness before God so children you're also here because uh, there's a family member in your family that has been faithful faithful in praying faithful to God and God has blessed you to live and be born and raised in this country who is a country of comfort and convenience but sometimes we just get too comfortable isn't it and we take things for granted it's easily it's like it's like you know um that supposed uh, that meant to happen to me it's like that that mindset of entitlement among the young generations right now because you know i always been uh, have been raised this way but it doesn't come that easy to those who had sacrificed a lot in the past so i tell you uh, god is good here in america because god had blessed america and we will study that today and uh, are you fond of history? There you go. No. Uh, one of the most, uh, maybe those uh, people who went to school, uh, one of the most boring subject in uh, our studies is what? Social studies or history because of the list of names and dates and events that you have to be familiar or memorize in order probably to pass the exam. But, you know, History is very important because we can learn from history, isn't it? History is important because it gives us uh, wonderful uh, memories, memories of the past, especially if it is a good past, and if, especially if it's a, it's a good legacy. And um, history also uh, teaches us that, uh, because sometimes we hear that famous you know, coin, history can repeat itself. History repeat itself. So uh, it's good when it is uh, positive that it can repeat itself. But if it is negative or evil or bad, you don't want that to happen, isn't it? So that's why we can learn from history. And they said about the Bible is the old, uh, the New Testament is the Old Testament concealed, and the Old Testament is the New Testament revealed. Oh, balik tajata, di ba? Oh, naget yun All right, there you go. Um, somebody says this, uh, happy, happy birthday, America. Uh, July 4th, 1776, was born one nation under God. 230, uh, 245 years later, it needs to be born again. Mm. There's a lot of truth in that saying, isn't it? July 4th, 1776, was born one nation under God. Now, 245 years later, it needs to be born again. Why? Because if you look at what's happening in America right now, in our fabric of society, in our moral compass, in our spiritual condition, truly, there needs to be a touch of God once again so that America can be born again and follow God's will. So we will look at some of the history. But before that, let's uh, bow our heads for a word of prayer as we ask the Lord to bless our time together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful afternoon that you've given to us. Thank you for another privilege and opportunity to worship you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one true living God who deserves all the glory, honor, and praise. And truly, Lord, this day is a special day because it's a day that you had made. You had made beautiful uh, everything in your time, Lord. And we know that today is a, another opportunity to be exhorted by your word and also be able to be uh, patriotic lord on this great country that you allowed us to live and um, to build our family and we thank you lord for um, the civil liberties the freedom that we enjoy today and we know lord that 
freedom is not free because we believe that there are people uh, behind it in the past and even in the present that are, had sacrificed so much. And we appreciate, Lord, their uh, service to this great country. But we thank you, Lord, that we have the freedom and we don't want to take it for granted that we can worship you publicly. We can uh, carry our Bibles. We can pray. We can still witness to others. We can uh, tell others about Jesus and his love. And we know, Lord, that there are millions of Christians and millions of people in other parts of the world that are not enjoying or experiencing what we have right now. That they are truly persecuted for their faith. They are uh, meeting in secret places, underground churches for the name of Christ. So, Lord, we, we praise you. We bless your name. We exalt you for giving us still that opportunity and privilege to worship you in spiritual freedom. And most of all, Lord, we thank you not just for our political freedom, but also our spiritual freedom we have in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for there was a point in our lives that we've been freed from uh, the penalty of sin, uh, the pollution of sin, and one of these days, the presence of sin when we get to heaven. Thank you, Lord, for what Christ had done, that he uh, had died on the cross, shed his blood, and he is the greatest overcomer of the sting of death, hell, and the grave, and the curse of sin because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you, Lord, that we had experienced the greatest freedom of all, and that is the freedom from the curse of sin because of what Christ had done. So we will forever and eternally be grateful, Lord, for that, and help us, Lord, to uh, share that wonderful message to others who are still, Lord, blinded by the philosophies of this world, who are still blinded by the deception of our enemy, Satan. And help us, Lord, to be that light and salt that will bear witness uh, in this world. And we pray that you bless our time together right now. Help me, Lord, hide me behind the shadow of the cross. Help me, Lord, to uh, convey the truth with clearness, with conciseness, and help me, Lord, to bring glory to your name. Forgive us from our sins and our shortcomings. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you to stand with me, please, if you could, if you would, and open your Bibles in a very famous uh, chapter in the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 33, verses 12. Uh, we know that this psalm, its outline is a hymn of praise. It's an unmistakable uh, feature of this psalm. There is the call to praise in verses 1 to 3, the cause for praise, verses 4, to 19 and the conclusion of that praise in verses 20 to 20, 22. The call is directed toward the righteous for whom praise to God is fitting. The cause for praise is twofold, that the Lord is dependable in both word, in his word, he will always keep his word, and his work, he will always fulfill what he said he will do. Isn't it? Amen. And the Lord is always just and loyal in dealing with his children in verses 13 to 19. So there's an expression of joyful hope and of the godly in the Lord here in this psalm. But we will uh, concentrate on verse 12. And, and I believe it can also be uh, applied in any nation who honors God. So if you're there, say a hearty amen. amen. Psalm 33, let's uh, read verses uh, 12 all the way to verse 22. Begin. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he had chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven, and beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. 
He fashioned their hearts alike. He considered all their works. There is no king save by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waited for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our hearts shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. Thank you so much for standing with me. Um, all right, that's our topic today, the greatness, the God, and the guilt of America. Since it's a patriotic Sunday, we are driven, we are motivated to give um, a patriotic message. And um, next slide. All right, uh, today is uh, July the 4th of uh, 2021, and there's uh, something going on in the state of New Jersey. A lot of churches are promoting this uh, prayer 402. I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, taken from Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. And they ask to pray for four specific things. So we will stop whatever we're doing. If I reach to 402, if I'm not done, let me know. And we'll have a word of prayer to pray for our government, for our school, for our media, and the church. And uh, prayer 402, and uh, in this patriotic Sunday, Independence Day, 4th of July. It's a good thing, isn't it? Because we always believe that prayer is a wonderful thing. Amen? We believe in the power of prayer. And more than ever, God's people need to come together and pray for this nation. All right, next slide. Of course, we uh, celebrated Memorial Day, and uh, Brother Jesse is here. We thank God for all our men and women in our church. We have some, several, who had uh, enlisted before and uh, served uh, in this country. And um, But you're not deceased yet. You're very much alive, brother. But we appreciate all... Um, the service of our men and women in uniform. And uh, when that time comes, we remember, we reflect and honor our forefathers, our veterans, and our God who has given us this freedom, isn't it? And somebody said, all gave some, and some gave all, and we all benefit, isn't it? So uh, today we remember, July the 4th, our men and women in uniform who are alive, who sacrificed their families, who are out there all over the world, posted uh, somewhere to uh, keep our uh, liberties and civil freedom, you know, alive and fresh for we can all enjoy. All right, next. All right. First thing that we will uh, talk about is the greatness of America. And I think Pastor Max touched a lot of things that I am going to say today. And uh, as I said a while ago, um, uh, when I think of America, I think of it as a place of, uh, of, of plenty, a place of uh, security, and of course, uh, America is still one of the super uh, powerful nation, superpower in the world today. But somebody says about he, this in America. And by the way, who discovered America? Or and There's a debate really discovered. Huh? Uh, it's, uh, it happened in 1492 of October the 12th. 
All right? It's actually Christopher Columbus. All right? And they said he did not really discover America. He reintroduced America to the Western civilization. All right? Because there's already people who had come here before, and there are already people who had been dwelling here before, like the Clovis people, you know, who are Native Americans that had been here before. But uh, we have October 12 as Columbus Day. All right? He claimed here in one of his four voyages to claim the land of uh, the Americas, especially North America for Spain. So, yeah, traditionally, he said he's the one who discovered or introduced America to the Western world. So imagine 1492, and then comes the, the pilgrims, comes the, you know, you know the history, and then they uh, try to establish their own freedom from uh, what they call the tyranny or dictatorship of England, and there you go. America was born as a nation July the 4th, 1776. So somebody said this in, about America, only in America can pizza get to your house faster than an ambulance. Is that true? Uber Eats right now, right? When you call ambulance in the Philippines, sometimes patay na yung tao na kailangan nilang dalhin. You know, but here in America, pizza, delivery guys are fast. Only in America do drugstores make the sick walk all the way in the back to get their prescriptions. Yeah, I just been one in CVS. Yes, it's a back. You know, while healthy people can buy suntan lotion or cigarettes up front, isn't it? Well, they said they need exercise, so they want them to walk at the back. Only in America do people order a double bacon, nater, cheeseburger, large fries, then a little Diet Coke. I think that will help that Diet Coke. And they said it's even dangerous Diet Coke than the regular Coke. Only in America do we leave cars worth thousands of dollars in the driveway and fill our garages with junk. No? That's yan. Yes. It's true. Yeah, just uh, look around, drive around during the summer, you know, with the yard sale and stuff. Sometimes you'll see, you know. Only in America do we buy hot dogs in packages of 10 and buns in packages of 8. How come there's more hot dogs than the buns? Because we love to eat here in America. There's even a hot dog eating contest, isn't it? I wonder what the cholesterol level of that person is after that contest, isn't it? What's, what's the record? 75-4? A minute? Maybe, maybe more than a minute, but that's, that's a lot of hot dog for you to eat for a person in a single day, isn't it? Wow, what if it has, uh, of course, hot dogs, especially the beef ones, are really high in fat. Yeah, like, you know, that's why they're skinny, you know, so they could absorb all of those. Anyways, only in America do we have Braille on drive-up ATM machines. Make sense? Braille drive up ATM machines. So what happens? You allow the blind person to get out of the car and go to the ATM and then fill it. But yeah, it happens in America. So what a, what a funny country we're living in, isn't it? But you know what? With all of America's faults, America is still the greatest place on earth to live, isn't it? That's why you're here. Amen? Amen. You know that. And let me just share this to you. All right, the greatness of America. Let's go to those slides. Uh, beautiful, isn't it? Uh, okay, backtrack, please. Um, 50 different states, like 50 different nations, you know, with all its features. Um, 
The other slide there, I think uh, one of the best places to um, do skiing is Colorado, I heard. Yeah, and of course we have plenty of uh, crops and buildings and great cities, of course, you know. What's that? Is that? Well, that's New York, no? Looks like the Empire State, the other one. Probably Seattle or something like that. So we have major cities in this world that are really um, industrialized. And of course, we live close by to New York City, the, the big apple. But they said during pandemic, it became a small apple, you know, because it was closed businesses. Well, we are great not because of our beauty with uh, the countryside, the metropolitans, and uh, uh, nat natural beauty, wild, uh, wildlife. Uh, one of our brethren came from Alaska, and um, I thought that's not a tourist spot, but it is, because if you love nature, you love uh, wild, uh, wildlife, you have to go there, and if you want to really breathe some really good fresh air, go to Alaska and go see Sarah Palin, you know, and have a chat with her. Because she made Alaska great again, you know. There you go. We're 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 hopping in different, you know. Okay, so we are great for our beauty, for our nature, for our buildings, and um, but of course we are also great for most of all for our freedom. Amen. Amen. America is great for her freedoms. The United States of America is only 245 years old. That's young in historical perspective. But it's a long time for a nation to remain free. Really, when you look at our history in the context of world history, America is just a child compared to other nations, like Egypt, isn't it? Been around. China, Japan, Rome, Greece, they all make America's histories seem so short. Consider what a brief time we've really been here as a nation. All right? Here we have some slides. First is Thomas Jefferson. You know, um, who is, uh, I think, the fourth president of the, uh, America. When Thomas Jefferson died, Abraham Lincoln was just a young man of 17. All right, that's Abraham Lincoln. And when uh, Lincoln was assassinated, Woodrow Wilson was a boy of eight. By the time Woodrow Wilson died, Ronald Reagan was a boy of 12. And when Reagan was in office, our ex-president Obama was still eating hot dogs in Kenya, you know? Well, maybe real dogs, because they eat dogs there. So, for president of this country, and you can tell our history. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, Woodrow Wilson, and President Ronald Reagan, you know? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, nice observation. There you go. That's why we have a, a great country. <laughs> there you have it. The lives of four men can take you all the way to the beginning of our country. So we are so young, isn't it? And yet we stand tall among the nations because of the principles on which we were established. But the sad thing today is there's a real trend today in America for anti-Americanism, anti-patronism, you know? Recently, a national radio talk show host and a listener were talking about Christianity in America. As the conversation continued, according to this story, the host, who is an avowed agnostic, said, why do Christians think that they had anything special to do with the founding of this country? 
Anybody who reads history books knows Christianity was no more involved in America's founding than any other religion. Unfortunately and inaccurately, that seems to be the prevalent thought of many Americans today, isn't it? Misinformed, misguided, you know? This is typical to what our country in some ways has come to. The truth doesn't matter anymore. But I like to say the truth has no agenda. Amen? Because it is simply the truth. But the truth is we are a nation that's been shaped by the Judeo-Christian principles found throughout the Bible. I could say we are a biblical nation from our very roots. But are we a Christian nation? That's the question. Because we know in the Philippines, they thought, in Southeast Asia, they thought that the Philippines is the only Christian nation because everybody around us are either a Muslim, Islam, prevalent religion, or Buddhist, or Hindus, of course, you know. But what is really a Christian nation? If being a Christian nation means that everyone is a Christian or acts like a Christian, or that all of our national decisions are based on Christian principles, then I say, no, we're not a Christian nation in that sense. But if it means that Christianity was the overwhelming majority of our founding fathers, and if its influence is undeniably seen in our nation's founding documents, and that Christian ethics and moral codes were accepted as the rule for our social order, then yes, we can say we are a Christian nation. We've been a Christian nation, isn't it? Because as we are going to study we see a great deal of Judeo-Christian principle in the Founding Fathers' mindset and Founding Fathers' document that they used to found this great country. Certainly, those throughout America's history were not timid about this fact. So is God part of America's heritage? There is much confusion over our nation's heritage. There is much confusion over the beliefs of our Founding Fathers. Today, it is popular for uninformed people to say that the founders were not Christians. But one of the first acts of the United States Congress was to authorize the printing of 20,000 Bibles to give to the native Indians. Don't you know that? The men who founded our country clearly tied it to Christian principles. Syndicated columnist Don Feather stated, by today's standards, the founding fathers were the religious right. But in 1779, after the First Amendment was written, the Supreme Court stated the following, By our form, the Christian religion is the established religion, and all sects and denominations of Christians are placed under the same equal footing. Tim LaHaye says that Christian consensus is easily verified by the fact that prior to 1789, the year 11 of the 13 states ratified the Constitution, many of the states still had this con constitutional requirements that a man must be a Christian in order to hold public office. 52 of the 55 founding fathers who work on the Constitution were members of Orthodox churches. The legislature of New York declared in 1838, this is a Christian nation. 99 out of hundreds, if not larger proportion of our whole population, believe in the general doctrines of the Christian religion during that time. In a report delivered by the House and Senate Judiciary Committee on March 27, 1854, they said that if the founders would have known that there would be an attack against Christianity, they would have strangled the revolution in the cradle. Wonder what would they think today? Amen? 
Even the Supreme Court in 1892 declared that in the court's opinion, the United States was a Christian nation, and we could do this all night. Amen? The inf this information is not fiction. It's all facts of history. Anyone can research. But we are living in a time of confusion and misinformation, especially to our young ones right now. Because the educational system is being corrupted by liberalism and humanism, trying to, this revisionist who's trying to rewrite histo history, isn't it? And there's so much division in this country right now. Huh? And uh, they use the color of your skin, your race, anything to divide this country. Why? Because there is Satan behind all of, all of this. That's his mission, is to kill, steal, and destroy. Destroy something that was founded in the right as time goes by, sadly, we are pushing God further and farther out of society. What did our founding fathers fight and die for? What did they lay their lives on the line for? Benjamin Franklin stated, Gentlemen, we must all hang together or surely we will all hang separately. They were risking their lives for what they believe in during that time. Did they do this so that one day, Women would have the choice to dispose of the inconvenience of a mass of a tissue, a.k.a. murder of the innocent baby within her body. Jesus said, isn't it? Let the children come unto me. Suffer them to come unto me. And we believe that life is sacred. Did our founding fathers fight for the rights of perverts committing an abomination? Literally could be translated just something disgusting. Because it's unnatural, as the Bible says in Romans chapter 1. Mine, mine again. We love the sinner, not the sin. You know? Literally, you know, the, um, the, the founding fathers, did they fight for the education of our children in humanistic beliefs? Did they fight for more government control to take away our ability to express our Christian beliefs in the public arena? And you know, that is being uh, felt seen today, being silenced, being disengaged, disenfranchised, if you are standing for something that the opposing side doesn't believe because they have a, a monopoly of of the media right now, and it's been happening. Uh, cancel culture, so to speak. Where has our education system gone? You know that prior to the Civil War, 90% of all America's college presidents were preachers of the gospel? Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, Dartmouth, William and Mary, and Columbia were founded by Christian preachers. But once again, the devil is saddled because he infiltrated all the high universities, educational system, and race liberals that will poison the minds of young people. And with humanistic evolution, humanism, and all such things that are contrary to the word of God. But look at this history of the past. John Harvard is a pastor in Charleston, Massachusetts, the man whom Harvard University was named, John Harvard. He stated that the purpose of the university was that every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main ends of his life and studies to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal. Isn't it that's great to hear? That the, the university it was found uh, upon tells us that, hey, young people, education is good, knowledge is good, but the main education you need to grasp on, you need to be familiar with, you need to really experience is to know God. To know he's the creator of life. To know that he is the one that one day you will give an account. To know his son, Jesus Christ. That the main purpose, the chief end of man is to know God and make him known. Amen. You know, what a great statement from this man. 
to let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek Christ Jesus as Lord and Master. He said that. Columbian University wrote that it was founded for the chief things that are aimed in this college are to teach and engage the children to know God and Jesus Christ and to love and serve Him. And other of these elite universities. They started with a Christian motto, with a Christian principle. But look at them right now, isn't it? It's a place where liberalism is being spawned and being given to the rest of the world because the devil knows what and where to attack to destroy a nation through its educational system. America's first school book was the New England Primer. It has the Lord's Prayer on its cover. Huh? It taught the alphabet by using biblical teachings. A, in Adam's fall, we sin all. B, it's heaven to find the Bible mind. C, Christ crucified for sinners died. And so forth and so forth. Huh? Until to Z. Alright? Ang galing, no? Yeah? Kaya pala matitinoy yung mga bata nun. Di ba? Because they have prayer, they have the Bible being taught um, in school. And you, you saw that picture probably, you know, why right now the Bible is being restricted to be studied, you know, to be read in public school. And they give the Bible when that person is already in prison whom supposedly they should have known the Bible and its principle to have the fear of God so they won't do crimes, isn't it? Uh, they need the Bible in all stages of life. Now it's sometimes too late. But praise be to God, there are still people getting saved in the prison. And God founds them and uh, they repented of their sin and thanks be to God for some missionaries who have prison ministries. Amen? So where has our education system gone? I heard a story a while back about a school out in California that was doing a brick sale fundraiser. Buy a brick to be placed in a sidewalk. They had raised $45,000. Two ladies had purchased bricks, their own money, and placed scriptures on their bricks. The school told them that they could not place scripture bricks in the sidewalk. But these ladies persisted. They were ready to take it to court. So the school relented. Uh, they didn't let them place the bricks. But instead of fighting this crazy, lunatic, Bible-thumping, racist, homophobic, not jobs, probably that's what they thought of them, they just canceled the fundraiser. They returned the 45000 and said no bricks. Now this woman stood up for their beliefs, for their rights as Christian in a Christian nation, and, they did, and, and did they win? Not exactly, but they succeeded in exposing these people as fools. Isn't it? Giving up on a very profitable fundraiser for idiotic reasons. So America of the present I can say, sadly, is a vacant shadow of America's past. But still, it is the greatest nation on earth. There's still good about America. All right, so we will see the greatness of America because it's, I love to reminisce the past a little bit today. And I'm going to rant about, about it, you know, <laughs> since uh, it's July the 4th. So... Um, I said America is great for its beauty, natural beauty. It's great for its freedoms. Okay, next. But most of all, I believe America is great for her missions endeavor for God's kingdom and the gospel. Remember Genesis 12, 12. I will bless them that bless thee, that unconditional Abrahamic covenant. I will curse them that curse thee. Don't you know America has been blessed by God because God birthed America? 
because of the founding father's concept of what a nation should be because they were guided by the scripture. And because America, for the many, many years that Israel has become a nation, May 14, 1948, is the number one ally, supporter of Israel. Isn't it? That's why that covenant is it's true. I will bless them that bless thee and curse those that had cursed thee. And a lot of people try to put down Israel and where are they right now? Nations like Egypt and such. All right? And I said this this morning, because of America's uh, missionary endeavors, we are here today. Amen? Because the gospel was brought to our home country, the Philippines, after World War II, a lot of soldiers went back as missionaries. America sent missionaries, and, and they saw that the Philippines is a potential place where the gospel can be preached because we're receptive. And now we have Baptist and Christian churches all over the Philippines because they are Americans whom God had burdened to reach us for Christ. That's why I could say America is great despite of its sins and shortcomings because of its missionary endeavor. For many, many decades, America is the number one nation in the world. When, when England backslide from, from God, isn't it? When, when the, those great histories of the Great Awakening had passed, the Holy Spirit's movement is not in, in England anymore, and it moved to America, and there's great revival here, and it spread almost all over the world. I can say that America is great because God used it as a tool to bring out the gospel to the world. It's great also for support to the nation of Israel. So, even though right now we have a fight, we have a battle, spiritual battle in America for the minds of men and women, for young people, because of, uh, you've heard this from the story here, if you watch the news about, it's really sad about this critical race theory, about gender dysphoria, and all these social issues that we're in. That's why we have to teach our kids about what the Bible of uh, what the Word of God says about these issues. Amen? Because absolute authority and absolute truth can only be found in the revealed Scripture in the Bible. Somebody can stand up and say, this and that can seem like intellectual and charismatic, but if it is out of line of the Bible, then it's false. It's lie. It's a lie. It's not the truth. And the Bible says truth will set us free. And this is what America really needs, is spiritual truth. Is spiritual freedom. So, next slide. All right. Okay, you're familiar with that. All right, we'll go there. Um, there are people who are trying to revise the history of this great country, America, to undermine the character and integrity of our founding fathers, saying they were not who we know they were. They say they were mo they were not motivated by principle but by property. They were motivated by greed and desire for wealth. But that's not true because the men who signed the Declaration of Independence had far more to lose than to gain. Most, don't you know the people who signed, 55 of them, the Declaration of Independence, most were very wealthy already. You know? 24 were lawyers and such. Nine were landowners or rich farmers. 11 were merchants. The others were physicians, ministers, politicians, etc. All but two who signed had families. They were educated men of standing in their communities. They knew security and prosperity, but felt there was something more important than security. What is that? Freedom. Freedom. They knew that the penalty for treason was death, 
by hanging, yet they sign. Even though there's the Brits can come and you know try to, to stop them, but they still they sign. Um, there's this person here, his name is John Hancock, all right? He signed twice as large as all others. And he said this, now His Majesty can read my name without his spectacles. He's, he's bold, he's brave. I'll sign this Declaration of Independence. There's uh, Stephen Hawkins, Hopkins, not that, that liberal, you know? It is Stephen Hopkins. He's old when he signed, his hand shook as he signed. He looked up and said, gentlemen, my hand trembles, but my heart does not. What a great declaration. How about, oh, here. Here's a moment we can be proud of New York. There were four delegates from New York who were particularly wealthy, and there were British ships that were nearing just a few miles of the coast when they signed, and most of New York had already evacuated. They and others were pursued. Some were captured and tortured, and of course, many died. So there's four of them. Signers from New York during that time. So young people, you need to know when you look at this American flag here, this old glory, that these red stripes are bars of blood, a price paid for you to be free and for our children to be free. Amen? So when today the people who are, I don't know, I, I, we can say ignorant or dumb, when they just burn that flag in ignorance, or ignorant demonstration, or step on it, it's not freedom of speech, isn't it? It's high treason against the land of the free and the home of the brave and should be prosecuted as such because there are men and women who died for it, to keep it flying, to keep the freedom, but all for the sake of freedom, of rights, see? Freedom who is not properly uh, put into its right place can be abused and misused, isn't it? Because that's the heart of men. He is corrupt. So that's the greatness of America. He's great for her freedoms and such. And then, next thing, we need to go to the God of America. Just as what we call the revisionists want to rewrite history in order to undermine the character and integrity of our founding fathers, they also want to undermine our godly heritage. They try to tell us this nation was not really founded upon God. Why can't some Americans accept the roots? Even a South American president years ago said, people came to my continent looking for gold, but those who come to America were looking for God. Even a South American president said that many, many years ago. So look at our history. 1620, the first pilgrim arrived. A little band of people crossed the Atlantic in a sailboat 26 by 113 feet. They landed on the Atlantic coast in the bitter cold of winter as they step off, what's that slide? That boat called history? Mayflower, there you go. That's the big sailboat that brought them here. During that time, uh, they signed a compact, the second paragraph of which begins, for the glory of God and advancement, advancement of Christian faith. So the pilgrims who came from Mayflower, they have this intention for the glory of God and the advancement of Christian faith because they want to escape a place where state religion was imposed to them in England, isn't it? They want to be free in practicing their Christian faith. So we know from history that first winter was rough. At times, the daily ration of food was five grains of corn per person per day. 
Right? That's why there's the corn there. It's like, can you survive in five grains of corn per day? Parang tinga lang yun, di ba? Sa Pilipino. How about five grains of rice per day? That's the ration. Because very, very hard winter. Don't you know that 44 died in the first five months and 58 survived? So in the fall of 1621, they reaped their first harvest. God bless them for their faithfulness. 21 acres of corn. Their immediate response was to thank God. They marched through the cornfield singing, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof from the Psalms, the, wor uh, the world and they that dwell therein. And December 13, another slide please. What happened? Those 58 that survived gathered with 80 friendly Indians and celebrated three days of thanksgiving, which the encyclopedia records as three days of what really happened? Preaching, praying, singing, and eating. It's like a Baptist, you know? Baptist gathering, revival time. <laughs> praying, preaching, singing, and eating. All right? So that, as you all know, that's the first Thanksgiving in America. But look, check your kids' textbook, most of which now say the pilgrims and Indians meant to thank each other. What? Thanks for not killing me? You know? Because you're, take, you're invading our land? No. They came together to thank God. They came together to thank God, preaching and praying. Next slide, please. In 1863, uh, Lincoln proclaimed a national Thanksgiving Day. In his proclamation, he made an important and accurate theological point. He said, and I quote, We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom in virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. That's why it's sad when you hear somebody says, I am a self-made man. No? That's being ungrateful to the creator of life, the giver, sustainer of life. And we are not a self-made government, self-made nation. God was behind all these successes because there was those founding fathers who trusted God, who believed God. How about the Puritans? They gave the reasons for coming to America as well. That's why we can say, you know, there was God in the founding of this great country with this president, with this people, with the pilgrims, now the Puritans. And the opening sequence of the new, of the New England Confederation, it says, Whereas we all came into these parts of America with one and same end and aim, to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in liberty and peace. You see? They have the same mindset, amen? Advance the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now it's 402. Okay, let's bow our heads for prayer. Let's pray with our hearts joined for this country. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we can uh, join with other believers in praying for this country in this Independence Day, in this 4th of July. Thank you, Lord, that uh, by your mercy and grace, you chose this country, Lord, to be your lighthouse for many, many years by 
using it, Lord, to spread the gospel. And right now, Lord, we pray for your mercy to be extended. You know, Lord, the condition of this country right now. We have leaders that uh, doesn't really fear you. We have uh, a movement right now here in America who's spreading division. But we know, Lord, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we pray now, Lord, that you had given us the commandment in Romans 13 to continue to submit to authority and pray for them. So we pray for our president, for our governors, our mayors. We also pray for our cops and police who keeps the peace and tranquility. With all of America's faults, Lord, we are still thankful that we are here today. We can still enjoy its freedom. We can still see churches trying to follow you in uh, teaching the truth, in uh, supporting missionaries, spreading the gospel in their own communities. We also pray for our school, Lord. We pray for our teachers, for our students, that you give them the grace and uh, help the parents also, Lord, to educate their children in the ways of God, that the first education will start at home. Um, and we know, Lord, that only the academics are being taught, but the principle of God's word has to be first taught in our homes. We pray also, Lord, for our churches across this great nation that you um, revive our hearts be with the members and pastors and preachers, evangelists uh, thank you Lord that in a lot of states the restriction is being lifted so we can freely come together and be able to share the word of God with one another we thank you Lord for that for sustaining the American churches and help those that are still burdened for lost souls that they will continue to be faithful in their missions program. And we also pray, Lord, for our uh, men and women in uniform, for our soldiers who are out there uh, keeping our civil liberties. May you bless them and their families, protect them. And all in all, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for just using this great country. And while we are still here, Lord, help us to do our duties. Uh, help us, Lord, to continue to have the burden to pray for this country whom thou hast allowed us to, to reside, Lord. And we praise you, Lord, for what you've done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, folks, for praying with me and praying for the rest of the churches for this prayer for O2. All right? Next slide, we have uh, Benjamin Franklin. You know this guy? He is one who challenged about having a political session opened with prayer and said, I've lived, sir, a long time and longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. Quote from Psalms 127. So our founding fathers know the scripture. Know the word of God. That's why the Lord blessed this country. So some Christians have been intimidated and they've heard that the, of course, ACLU talks so much about the separation of church and state that they've actually started to believe in it. In case you don't know, the phrase never appears in our constitution. Separation of church and state. However, it is found in Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto. It was coined in the U.S. from a letter that 
principal framer of the Constitution and third president, Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association, assuring them that he would keep the government out of the church, not the church out of the government. He was saying, never again will there be a government-sponsored church like you had back in England, where everyone is forced to attend and support. So check it out for yourself. The First Amendment actually says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. If there is such thing as separation of church and state, it is intended as a one-way street. So na miss quote lang yung separation. It's just a one-way street for the government not to implicate the church because of that freedom. That's why you notice that even the cults are founded in America, a lot of them, because they took advantage of the freedom of religion. Some say no, they want to keep the both separate. Well, let's think about that, about our history once again. Did they separate the church and state? Is the church not involved with the government during that time? I don't think so. Because the first colonist, Jamestown, Virginia, first community building was a church. Only building with walls still standing today. If you go to Jamestown, Virginia, in those uh, uh, historical places, there is that first community building during that time in the first colonies, and it was a church. Puritans' first act at Plymouth Rock is to kneel, praise, and dedicate this new colony to God. Roger Williams, who is a Baptist minister, established Rhode Island. Lord Baltimore, for Baltimore, Maryland, held church service in establishing Maryland. William, Payne, William Penn, he's a Quaker. Hindi yung laging nanginginig, ha? All right. He's a <laughs> Quaker. He established Pennsylvania, New York, Delaware, Connecticut, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. When you read their writings, you see no doubt that God birthed America. Will Penn, in writing government policies for Pennsylvania, made sure all treasurers, judges, and all elected officials profess faith in Christ. Our founding fathers consistently spoke of the need for utilizing the Bible and Judeo-Christian values in defining and preserving this nation. So you can see God all over the history of America in the past. Even 12 of the original 13 colonies incorporated the entire Ten Commandments into their civil and criminal codes. Our first president, George Washington, there's a slide there, he took the oath of the office and put his hand on what? The Bible, as all presidents had done. Amen? What was his first official act as a president? Don't you know? George Washington kissed the Bible, then he held a two-hour praise and worship session in Congress. How did they determine to open sessions of Congress? By prayer. Who would lead in those prayers? The chaplains. How would they be, be paid? By tax dollars. That's all that sounds like they wanted to keep God out of the government. No, isn't it? Who decided to put in God we trust on our coins? It was adopted by Congress in 1956. Amen? Alright, natin for one dollar. Alright. How about in 1776, 11 of the 13 colonies required that one had to be a Christian to be eligible to run for political office. In 1777, the Continental Congress voted to spend 300000 uh, to purchase Bibles for distribution in the whole nation, aside from that 20000 for the Indians. President John Adams stated the law given from Sinai was a civil and municipal code as well as a moral and religious code. 
The state constitutions of all 50 states mention God. About the famous Liberty Bell, as part of Leviticus 25.10, is inscribed into it. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land and to all the inhabitants thereof. Part of the scripture Proverbs of Proverbs 14.34 is inscribed by the L.A. City Hall door. Alright? L.A. pa. Diba? Alam natin Los Angeles ngayon, diba? Napaka-liberal. But look at that. In the past, there is that scripture verse in Proverbs 14.34 that says righteousness. It's ironic, no? Righteousness exalted a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. At alam natin ngayon ang LA, nako, napaka-liberal. Anything goes there, di ba? But before, they have that. Righteousness exalted a nation. About an image of Moses carrying the tablets of God's law faces the Speaker of the House of Representative. Yes. If you go right now, capital. Then the entering president takes his oath of office with his right hand on the Holy Bible and concludes his vow, so help me God. How about the Supreme Court building? Looks like this. The justices must enter from the back or something. Itself begins each of its sessions with the phrase, God save the United States and this honorable court. And I could go on and go on. I could say that God can be seen in the history of this country, Amen. of America. Isn't it? All these, all these facts. Um, first Vice President and Second President Jan Adams, he wrote in 1798, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. His son, our Sixth President, John Quincy Adams, you know, he said in his slide, No book in the world deserves to be so unceasingly studied and so profoundly mediated upon us the Bible. They honor the Bible. About President Thomas Jefferson, he said, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. About Theodore Roosevelt, America's 26th president, he said, in this actual world, a churchless community, a community where men have abandoned a scoff at or ignored the religious needs, is a community on the rapid downgrade. Totoo, di ba? Hmm? Woodrow Wilson, our 28th president and governor of New Jersey, huh. he had this to say, America was born a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness which are derived from the revelations of the Holy Scripture. Calvin Coolidge, our 30th president, said this about our founding fathers. They were intent upon establishing a Christian commonwealth in accordance with the principle of self-government. They were an inspired body of men has been said that God sifted the nations that he might send choice grain into the wilderness. Who can fail to see it, 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 it in the hand of destiny? Who can doubt that it has been guided by a divine providence? Quote. How about Franklin Roosevelt? He prayed this prayer on a national radio. Hook up on June 6, 1944, when our troops stormed the beaches of Normandy in France. He said this, Almighty God, his prayer, with thy blessing we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogance. Lead us to the saving of our country. Thy will be done, Almighty God. Amen. How about Harry Truman, our 33rd president? Our, our students here, let me ask you, is this one of your exam? You have to memorize the, all the presidents of the United States? Is that part? You did? Somebody said yes. 
Wow, I admire you. Wow, what what memory? Did you pass? Did you get half of it? <laughs> I won't, because uh, it's a lot of names, isn't it? But wow, great quotes from these presidents, huh? Harry Truman said, "If men and nations would but live by the precepts of the ancient prophets and the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, problems which now seem so difficult would soon disappear." That's true, isn't it? The Bible is still the answer to man's problem. The principles of God's word. How about Gerald Ford, our 38th president? He quoted a 1955 speech by uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower on December 5, 1974. He said, without God, there could be no American form of government, nor an American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being is the first, the most basic expression of Americanism. If atheists will just read this, you know? <laughs> he said, recognition of the supreme being or of God is the first basic uh, moral. Thus, the founding fathers of America saw it, and thus, with God's help, it will continue to be. How about President? You know him, all right? Ronald Reagan. My dad knows him. <laughs> if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be one nation gone under. Then, of course, nabutan ko na siya. George W. Bush was asked to name the philosopher that had the greatest influence on his life. This was his answer. He said, Christ, because he changed my heart. So it's time for modern-day Americans to wake up and smell themselves and realize their warped attitude stinks and is inaccurate as to the facts. The greatest of America is her freedom. The God of America is the one and only true living God. Jehovah, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And lastly, what is America's guilt? Sad to say, the guilt of America lies in the indifference and complacency of God's people. Edmund Burke says, All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. If you read the book of Judges, clearly our God would rather forgive and restore, isn't it, than judge. Our God would rather forgive and restore than judge. Over and over again, we see Israel would turn their back on their godly heritage, but God would send a judge. and God would deliver them, they would repent, and God would forgive them and restore them. But it was always conditional in their turning to him, in their repentance. That's why in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, oh, I've, I've seen this verse of scripture when the pandemic hits, you know? Have you noticed? Oh, um, the end is coming soon. Uh, we are being judged by God because of the sins of the world, the sins of our nation. We have to turn, but you know, this verse is always applicable. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. The solution is not in the White House, the State House, the Courthouse, but in God's house and your house and my house. It's true. When uh, all these things in the moral ethics and social uh, issues of America had come up, I believe that the silent majority stayed silent. You know, when... Abortion was legalized when God was kicked out of the public school system. Here in America, there was little opposition. 
you know, there was little uh, standing for the truth, you know. But I like to quote this uh, verse of script, uh, actually this poem from Jesse, oh, Jesse Alberta Silvernail, all right. She said this, so long as there are homes where fires burn and there is bread, so long as there are homes where lamps are lit and prayers are said, although people falter through the dark and nations grope, with God himself behind these homes, we still have hope. We may not be able to save America as a whole, but we can save our own houses, our own children, our own family. So let's spend time with them. Let's teach them America's godly heritage. Let's teach them to have the burden to pray for this country because the Bible says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. But what is the opposite? Cursed will be a nation who forgets God and make other gods before him. Isn't it? And that's the opposite. But there is blessing to a nation who continue to recognize that there is only one God in heaven who is Jehovah God. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Lord, for this history that we saw. Lord, we are just thankful that there were men and women who believe in the one true God, who, whom thou hast used to found this great America, this great country. And because you have birthed America, you have blessed America, and you've used America to defend your chosen nation, Israel, and to spread the gospel. But if we will not repent, will not turn away from sin, then you will bless America of its sin. So what can we do, Lord? All we can do is pray that you extend your mercy so people will still have a time to repent and to know the one true God. And help our children, help our people here in the church to really know what to stand for. We're, we're not really here, Lord, to, to debate or to change people's mind with our belief, but we are just here to show the love of God, to show that there is a God in heaven who rather would restore and forgive than to judge. But since he's a just God, a holy God, and a righteous God, he has to punish sin. He has to judge sin. He cannot tolerate it. There will come a time that judgment will come. But help us, Lord, to take advantage of your grace right now. Help us to take advantage of this freedom that we have, that we can still read our Bibles, we can still pray, we can still share the gospel. We can still come to church without any fear of being persecuted or being imprisoned when others don't have those kind of freedom, Lord, and opportunity. Let us not take it for granted, Lord, what we still have. And as Christians, we need to continue to pray for this country. We need to continue to participate, persuade those people that what really matters in your eyes, Lord, is our personal relationship with you. And uh, we know, Lord, that there will come a day that you will make all things right. You will make all things right. There will come a day that you will rapture all the believers in this world. Sometimes we get tired of this world when we see the, the evil, the corruption, the injustices. But there will come a time that the Prince of Peace will come. He'll establish his earthly millennial reign and we will reign with him and we will enjoy that perfect government of peace and prosperity. But right now, while we're still living in this temporal life, in this temporal world, Lord, help us to do our duties. Help us, Lord, to continue to seek your will, seek your counsel, 
I pray, Lord, that uh, our children here, our young people, that um, their minds will stay with you, that whatever the world throws at them, whatever maybe the liberals throw at them, that they will not be swayed um, of what they believe in, that they strive to know what they believe in. They will study the scripture or study it with, with, with their friends, with their parents, with the church, and have a deeper relationship with you, deeper knowledge about you. And most of all, Lord, we know, Lord, that knowledge can pass, puff us up, but without love, Lord, it's nothing. And, and, and we see the world, we see America, we see those that are trying to destroy this from the inside with the uh, humanism and, uh, and things, Lord, that are opposing to the Bible. But we know, Lord, we, we pity them because they are blinded. They are in darkness. They are uh, the natural man who had not received the light of God's word. So we pray for their salvation to Lord. We pray for enlightening for them. Uh, you use, Lord, some Christians who are in the limelight or Christians that for us even more than able than us, Lord, to, to share them the, the gospel. But uh, help us, Lord, to pray, pray to that because you're still in the business of saving soul. And we know, Lord, that the more sin abound, the more that the grace of God will abound. And those people who have been saved by the grace of God, and even though they have like insurmountable cases of sin in their lives, we know that they are a better and greater witness than us because they knew firsthand how to be forgiven, how to also to share what they experienced, what they have received to others who are also in darkness. So Lord, help us, Lord, to persevere. Help us, Lord, to stay true to your word. Help us, Lord, to stay strong and faithful to what you have given us. As you said in your word, in, in the writings of Paul, to continue thou to the things that thou hast learned and thou hast heard among many witnesses. And the same, commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Lord, help us to do that. And today, Lord, as your people, uh, we just want to take this moment to thank you, the giver of life, the sustainer of life, the giver of true Lasting spiritual eternal freedom, the freedom that we have in Jesus. And we know, Lord, that this freedom should not be misused, should not be abused. It's not a license to sin, but it's a, it's, it's a motivation to draw our lives closer to you because of what you've given to us, what you've done for us on the cross, what your blessings are for us each and every day, and even for the future. We bless your name, Lord. We bless God. Of, we bless the God of Israel. We bless the God of America. And thank you, Lord, for being our God today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Thank you for listening.